Hello, hello. Hello. I'm Jessica Benoist-Young. And I'm Melanie Reef. And this is Best Line. Worst Line. Where we talk about all things scripted, choose our best and worst lines, and a whole bunch of lines in between. Yes. This week... We were both just saying we're very excited about this. This week we're kind of continuing with our Oscar theme, and we're going to be talking about what I think is the front runner from everything that I've read. Everything that I've read says the Fablemans is the front runner. Really? I have not seen that anywhere. I think think it's because it won. I think it won the Golden Globe. Right. And, but truthfully, and it's Steven Spielberg, so we know how the Academy likes that. Like, and I hear, I do hear it's a great movie. I've heard from several people that they love it. Um, But to me, the best movie, and as we've discussed, I rarely, this is a rare occasion where I saw a movie (laughs) that Jessica did not make me watch, and I like voluntarily decided to watch this again. Um, So I haven't seen many of the Oscar movies. I've seen Maverick, which you have not seen. Correct. Not Which, a, not a I Top mean, Gun fan here. Sorry. Okay, and I will say that I'm not sure. Personally, I, I mean, it was it was an excellent movie. The first Top Gun was fun. It's no, campy, I've heard all the great things. things about Maverick, Top Gun Maverick is a great movie. Mm-hmm. So I will say that was great. Um, it would be my front runner for me. I haven't seen. I'm trying to think of the others. I haven't seen most of the other movies. I would like to see Fablemans. I would like yeah. to see Woman Talking. I would like to see Triangle of Sadness. Sadness. Aside from I hear one scene where they all get seasick, and I'm like, Ooh. I have a very weak stomach. I'll skip that one. <laughs> but I would like. I would like to see Triangle of Sadness and the others. I'm like, okay. But my favorite movie I've seen this year, and this is why I was like, I don't care. Like, what other movies? We're talking about for Oscars. We have to do everything everywhere all at once. Correct. I think, to me, I think it's the best movie of the year. Obviously, I have not seen all of them. Mm -hmm. I think it's inventive. I think it's brilliant. I think Michelle Yeoh is a goddess. Yeah, I I agree. Yes. Yeah, I I mean, I saw when this started just getting weird little buzz. And then, like, seeing that in real time, just watching things on social media, watch it go from, like, a little bit of buzz from just, like, a couple people I knew that are really, really cinephiles, you know. And then watching it be hugely in demand and go to a wide release, you know, from being this little independent, genre-bending kung fu movie. <laughs> and I knew it had Michelle Yao in it, and I've just been... I mean, I saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon when it came out like mm-hmm. 21 years ago. I didn't see it in the theater, but as soon as it came out for rent, I rented it. I was like yes. 17 or 18. I watched it by myself because nobody else in my family was interested in it. And I think that's the closest that we've come to a movie that heavily features Kung Fu or martial arts in general to winning an Academy Award for Best Picture I 21 agree. years ago. And yes. both with Michelle Yeoh. So, but um, recently, my husband and I have watched Star Trek Discovery, and she was in the first two seasons, and she was my freaking favorite character. When she left, yes. I would assume to do this film. When she left, I was heartbroken. I was like, uh, she needs a spinoff. Because she's like a spy. She ends up being like a spy character. 
Yeah. She's two different versions of herself. She plays two different versions of herself because of dimension multiverse stuff. (laughs) Um, And the one that is, like, prominent that she plays a majority of the time is just, like, total ruthless cutthroat badass warrior queen and she ends up becoming like a Star Trek spy and I was like okay we've never really done anything with like Star Trek like spies within the Star Trek universe and which this clearly is, it. is a missed opportunity because we need this character and we need this idea like fleshed out because nobody's ever talked about it before and I guess that was like I just said it to my husband I was like I need this spinoff and I guess that was something that was and still is on the table mm-hmm. Interesting. after she wins an Academy Award I don't know if she's going to be able to do some <laughs> Paramount do <laughs> plus direct to, uh, direct to streaming Star Trek but uh, anyway that's where I really like she left, and then I saw that she was doing this movie, and then I kind of forgot about it for a while, and then it started picking up all the buzz, and I was like, oh, yes, I have to see this. And then I just started hearing, like, incredible things about it. Just every single person that saw it was, like, mind-blown, life-changed, and it's hilarious, and there's martial arts. Like, what does this movie not have? What? It is really everything. It is I don't. Yeah, it, I mean, it really. It really. It's comedic. It's action. It is everything. It has, all at once. Yeah. It really. Family. Truly is. Family drama. Comedy. Martial arts. Action. Science fiction. You know, satire. It's so romance. Much. Romance. I mean, there's yes. romance in it. <laughs> and it, like, there were moments that to me were laugh out loud funny. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. absolutely moments that were laugh out surrealist. It's I mean. Yeah. This is the fantasy science fiction, but there are so many surrealist parts to it. Like, I just, it is a genius movie. And the commentary on, because what's, what's brilliant is if you take out the multiverse stuff, if you take out the action elements, if you take all of that out, it is still an incredibly compelling story mm-hmm. about a woman who is a middle-aged woman who is not happy with her life and the way it's in the way it's progressed, she had all of these other things she wanted to do and is learning to appreciate the people who are around her. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel equipped to just to talk about the, I mean, so much of this is couched in the setting and this is where I feel like we're, we could do a disservice talking about this movie, but I don't feel equipped to really dive into the story of her being a Chinese immigrant Mm -hmm. and coming to America and the life that she thought she was going to have versus the life that she does have. That obviously is a huge part of the grounding of this movie. It is a huge part of where it's set up. I don't feel equipped to talk about the experience of Chinese immigrants in America at all, but I do want to acknowledge that that is the, the setup of that story is, is crucial to how this Mm -hmm how this it is it is the center point of where this movie starts and how it goes and it really is a lot like it really is important to this movie Mm -hmm. absolutely i agree with all of that obviously a huge part of the story is that michelle yo and kehi kwan are immigrants and their daughter is a first generation american um that is a crucial part of this story and i think it is really important to acknowledge that that is the 
background and setup of where this story starts mm-hmm. and that they're getting i mean audited by the irs and she even has a line there that she's like she's been targeting asians in the Chinese. community mm-hmm. yeah and i think I mean, we don't know if this is a post-COVID world or if COVID even exists in this universe or any of the universes of this movie. Right. But it doesn't really matter. She's still, the IRS agent is still targeting Asians in the community, which is not okay. Even with just that setup of a movie, it would be a brilliant film. Like if you take out all this surrealist, multiverse, action, everything. Brilliant. Right, it's still... You know, there's so much, even just in this universe, which also, also when I watch it, I get the feeling oftentimes that that is the only universe that what Mm -hmm. we're watching is just her brain, a very imaginative woman trying to make sense of the massive overwhelm of her life and, and what she's having to go through mentally to like, to come to this priority of her family. Like she's having to play out these scenarios of like, what if I did that? What if I did that? What would that look like? And she's feeling like her family is ganging up on her. She's feeling like the community that she's in is ganging up on her and coming to get her. Like, I, I think that there's a way a very, I mean, not so secret or subtle way to watch this movie and realize that that is the only actual story that is the only actual thing that's happening and she is just trying to put some symbolism and some meaning to like her imagination running wild because she's just losing it she's just under so much stress from every single you know and and really like having this big chunk of the movie where she's mentally framing her daughter as the villain is very telling, you know, is because I think that that is something that is, you know, we can't necessarily speak to like the Chinese family dynamics, but any family dynamic, a mother and child relationship as that child moves away from you, pulls away from you, draws away from you, moves on. Doesn't live up to the expectations that you set for your child. And even though it's not your life, it's not your life, but also like that's going to amplify if you're feeling that same way about yourself, which she obviously is. So it's kind of like this thing, like she knows she, she knows that she gave up her potential and these various these various alternate lives for herself. She's obviously had a large portion of her life where she was okay with that because she was focused on her daughter. But then when none of that, when you put all of that, you put your whole self, you know, it is like for her, she has this hole in her. She has this everything bagel hole like in her Side note, I did have an everything bagel for breakfast. (laughs) You had to, you had to. I didn't even put that together, but I did have an everything bagel for breakfast. And it was filled by her, her duty to her child. And it sort of feels like now that's not, that's not there. She doesn't have to take care of her child anymore. Her child's an adult, but they don't have this relationship that's built on anything else. And so now she's just like missing a part of her and she's 
upset with her child for that. But it's not, it's neither of their fault. It's just a natural progression of life. But because they've only ever had this, like, this relationship where Evelyn just gives and gives and gives and gives and gives... They don't know how to do anything else. And like the Well, she also know. gives and gives and gives and gives and gives, but then finds fault with her daughter in so many right, ways. Right. And puts so much pressure on her daughter. And that's where you see the Jobu like that's the whole Jobu Chapaki under under thing is like you there pushed was so her much too pressure, hard and you broke pushed her. her too hard right. and you broke her. And now she's seeing all of these things at once. And I mean that's the same story with Joy in the Right. The the grounded timeline, the original timeline. Not necessarily pushed her too hard, but like there's a beautiful line at the end of the movie, and this is not my best line, but it could have been. There are so I was telling Jessica when we when I finished this movie again yesterday, I was like, I wrote down the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's so hard because it's so good, and you know you see that with you see that it's the lineage of the pressure um, from Evelyn's dad and the pressure that she he put on her right. to become something, and the disappointment he had when she married. Um, Waymond and or mm-hmm. went to America with Waymond and all of these things and he still has you can see that disappointment still in the grounded universe and when he's like they're like trying to hide that Joy is gay mm-hmm. and it's like that whole thing and the, the judgment and generational judgment there but then at the end there's this very beautiful moment where Evelyn and Joy have this connect connective mm-hmm. moment both in the grounded universe of then Evelyn and Jobu Chipaki in the other universe. And I think there's, I mean, so much of the bagel storyline with Jobu Chipaki is the idea to not want to exist. You're so broken that you don't want to exist on this plane anymore. And it is a incredibly beautiful allegory. And like there is, it is a, it is a beautiful representation, the way they do it with the bagel and in that it's not grounded. You don't see that from the, the child in the in the grounded universe so it mm-hmm. makes it makes it almost more accessible to talk about in a way because it right. is in this fantastical she's being sucked into the bagel sucked out of this existence and like she's trying to get her mom to go with her into this like existence of nothing mm-hmm. i love the rocks when they are like ta- when they are just yeah. it's silent mm-hmm. when they're just it's quiet and nothing is happening it just there's so so much beauty there and i got off my original point but at the very end of the movie Evelyn is basically saying to her father both about joy and herself all of your greatest fears squeezed into one person I spent most of her childhood praying she would not end up like me but Uh she turned out stubborn aimless a mess just like her mother but now I see it's okay she's a mess because just like me the universe gave her someone kind patient and forgiving to make up for all she lacks Uh and in that she's talking about joy's girlfriend but we've seen this whole movie of evelyn basically like shitting on real universe waymond mm-hmm. and like he's too kind he's silly he's not anything but that's what gets them because he's kind that gets him them out of trouble with the irs right and just is honest and explains things because then uh deirdre um jamie lee curtis who was brilliant as always absolutely and unrecognizable but brilliant yes. as always <laughs> Um, you know, understands it's it's human understanding, and right. it's all in the stories of that's such a thread through this movie too is the stories. Like Jamie Lee Curtis has a line early on that again I highlighted as soon as she said it, which is 
when she, it's kind of funny because she's looking at the receipts and uh-huh. everything from at the IRS, you might only see a pile of boring forms and numbers, but I can see a story with nothing but a stack of receipts. I can trace the ups and downs of your lives. And then she says, I can see where this going, but his story mm-hmm. is going and it doesn't look good, but it's so, that's the so interesting part is we're so driven by stories as humans and what, where the stories end up and where they lead. It's so fascinating. Right. I agree. And I, I just, I think the whole scene and I didn't really write much of it down. I thought I was going to, um, I actually didn't take any notes from the end because I just like to just let the end, like, just like to sit in it and just watch it. And, Mm -hmm. but you know, she, she says something along the lines of like, why would I choose to be doing any of the things that I'm doing? Like, why would I be standing in this parking lot fighting with my daughter who's pissed at me? Like, why would I be throwing this stupid little party for my dad who's pissed at me? And, you know, at a laundromat that I just smashed the window out of because we're getting foreclosed on and all this stuff. And like, why, why would any of us choose the hardships of our life? Mm -hmm. But we do because we're prioritizing what we love. And she's realizing that like, yes, she is going to have to just suck it up and get through this, the shit part, the taxes and and all of that by focusing on the actual relationships and that the rest of it doesn't really matter. You know, it's going to be shitty, but she's going to get through it because she has to, because that's important. You know, it's important to her and her family. And I, and I like that because I think a lot of people do associate the temporary hardships with their permanent relationships. And that's why we see Mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of divorce. Like they're just completely disconnected. She associates what's going on in their shared life as like something that is wrong with him. Or she associates what's going on with, you know, her strained relationship with her daughter as something that's going on with her with joy, not with Evelyn. And so Evelyn's just really struggling to separate what she feels as this inescapable hardship of her life, that it's just encompassing everything instead of being able to, to separate it out, use the positive aspects of her relationships to get her through the hardships And I think that's kind of where it ends is like everyone's working together. Everybody has sort of realized that they, they need each other and that they want to prioritize each other and that together they'll Mm -hmm. get through it. And when you're back in that, when when the movie ends back in the IRS office, which is like a really drab, dull place to end a movie, but it does it so brilliantly because there's, she again is zoning out. Mm-hmm. You see her zone out the first time, but obviously that's because she has these Bluetooth things on and Alpha Wayman is like blowing her mind mm-hmm. essentially. But at the end, it's just, she's happy with the people around her and who she's with. And like, that's the whole thing throughout the movie is like, there are so many other things that like other ways that maybe she could have been happy in different universes, you know, like the opera singer, the, the, 
the movie star. I mean, you you obviously, like, I have a propensity for glamour. Mm-hmm. I have this whole, like, what if my life was glamour? Oh, what yeah. if I was famous? All of these things. I live in L.A. Like, there was an impetus of me moving here looking for that. Mm-hmm. And yet you see the heartbreak and the challenges in those universes, too. Right. Um, and then going back to what you said, where she's, like, looking for other things or, like, not taking stock of what is around her. She's blaming other things for why other right. people are the way they are and not realizing that it's just life. And she had a role in it. Like when she talks to, when she realizes that Joe Butapaki is joy. I mean, that's a brilliant performance there too. In all of her clothes. Oh my God. Oh, Joe Butapaki's <laughs> costumes are incredible. Um, but she says, it's you. You're the reason my daughter doesn't call anymore. Why she drop out of college and gets tattoos? Mm-hmm. It's blaming something within her daughter right. instead of just being like, no, this is, this is the world we exist in. And I think it's so, to go back to your point that you said earlier, there is definitely a way that you can see this movie of all of this is happening in her mind. Like when mm-hmm. she punches the IRS agent yeah. because she thinks like the, the timelines get skewed. And it's, I mean, as somebody recently diagnosed with ADHD, like to me, there was so much of this movie that it was like, oh my God, yes. Like that's, this is like, I talk about this a lot right now because it's like blowing my mind of like, oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Like, you know, when your mind doesn't shut up and there's so much going on all the time, that's like that hyperactivity part. And there's all the like, what ifs and some, one of the challenges like with ADHD is like you have all these, like what, or how I, I present with it is like, I have all these things and I'm like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And then like getting started on a lot of them, it just, it just doesn't happen Mm -hmm. for one reason or another. And you just go with kind of like what's easy and in the flow. And so like, to me, this movie was like a really interesting representation of ADHD. True. And then, which is why that rock scene where it was just like quiet Uh was just like, probably like one of my favorite scenes in the movie, because like I relate to, like I related to that chaos of everything just going on and buzzing in your mind. And then just like having it calm so much of right. just like all of the possibilities all the what ifs everything kind of spinning and you don't know which way to turn and then you just kind of sit relax into it mm-hmm. and like i just thought that scene where it was there was no music behind it it goes right. dead silent and then you you don't even like realize to pay attention to the the text until that's what's happening mm-hmm. it's just it's just so she says, Shh, you don't have to worry about that here. Just be a rock. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah. And and I do think we see, like, again, I use the word overwhelmed, but, like, it's a, it's a conversation that's happening a lot in, like, family, in, in, like, gender studies and family dynamics and things like that, where we talk about, like, the mental load that, mm-hmm. that mothers in yes. specific carry and how to verbalize that like not to say that uh, male or other female partners don't understand or don't support or don't help like my household it is 50 50 I mean and there are days where it's way more than 50 on my husband's part in terms of like the actual chores and the actual housework and the child rearing and like meal preparation and all of that, like, because we have a newborn, there are certain things that he can't do that I'm doing for like a quarter of the day, you know, and, and things like that. But like 
I definitely feel like because we had a long stretch in the beginning of our relationship with our youngest son, where I was the stay-at-home parent and he was the working 50 hours a week parent, that, like, my brain is the one that does the mental load. Like, my brain is the Mm -hmm. one going, like, these appointments, these errands, these things need to be purchased for the house, like, that sort of thing. And to, to, like, vocalize that is really hard for a lot of, of mostly women, but the main stay-at-home parent or the parent, the person in the relationship that is taking that on, whether they're taking it on because it's just in their nature. Like, that's just the kind of person they are. And I also think that's the kind of person I am. Like, I'm a person with just, like, lists Mm -hmm. running in my head all the time. So even if I wasn't the stay-at-home parent at any point in my life, I probably still would be that person going, like, you know, groceries, dentist, daycare, blah, 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 like, in my head all the time. When you get into that and you see that Evelyn is very much like that with, every member of her family, plus every aspect of their business. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to, like, ever get to a point where there's just nothing. Oh. (laughs) You know? There's a... Where there's there's just nothing in your head. And so... And I think what, what, what I also like the symbolism of the everything. There's two different symbolisms of the everything that I really like. Mm -hmm. And I think what we actually see is Evelyn being able to just get control of everything. Jobu says once, you know, it's everything, so nothing matters, right? There is that aspect of everything that, especially nowadays with what we have access to, we have access to everything. Mm -hmm. And the more and more and more and more and more we get to experience, the less and less and less and less it actually means Yes. The less value, all these things that would have been massively important and valuable when we didn't have easy access to them, like it doesn't matter anymore. We get whatever mm-hmm. we want within certain constraints, but like we have the potential, we have the access for yes. so many things. And the more easy access we get to it, the less valuable we make it. But I also, and, and that's where I think like Jobu is, she has everything. So what does it matter? Like I, I I put it all there and she's, what she was wanting was like, I think we all do that in this idea of untapped potential, this idea of alternate lives, this idea of even acknowledging in one timeline, there's a thing. And we do this to ourselves and it is very freeing to just tell this idea to fuck off. And I think if you, you're, you don't, it's really hard to do it before the age of like 30. But because this is a pivotal age where people are like, by the time I'm 30 and it it even persists, if you don't reach that thing, like, oh, I, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this in my career or this in my life. And you get there and you don't have it, but like, you'll keep doing it. And, and a lot of, I, I saw this a lot, like not to, not to bring this down into a box because it's extremely pervasive in lots of ideas. But I saw this a lot when I worked in the fitness industry, people wanted to number if I get to this number, if I lose this many pounds or whatever, if I lose this many inches off my waist, I'll be fine. Yes. And they would get there and they weren't happy with it. 
then there was some other goal. Because there's always something else. There's always something else. When I right. make this much money, when I do this thing. Exactly. It's so interesting that you say 30 because like, I think what's so interesting for me and I like, A, I have had, I mean, I am in this point with my life where I am like, we have gone so far off the movie, I but I think it's, it's all relevant. No, I mean, like, yeah, that's it's, what this movie it's does. It's all relevant. You know, that's what this, like, I mean, I, I started college as a music education major and then I changed my major four times because none of it felt right. Right. And then I did something else. Then I taught music again and I was like, nope, that's not it either. I'm going to go travel for six months. And then the pandemic happened. Right. And then I, um, I turned 30 in the pandemic. I mm-hmm. turned 30 in 2020. So I had all of these things of like, I have to do this I by remember, the time I'm 30. And then they were like, well, no. And, like, I, <laughs> and, like, and then like all of like, yeah, I was going to have my life figured out. I was right. going to do all these things. Like that was the year that I was going to like there find a partner no or all figuring these things. out life. There is no, and there's that's not. the, that's the grand thing is like, there's no figuring it out. And like, I don't know if you've seen the show. What, uh, if then Jessica, uh, no, it was Idina Menzel, Anthony Rapp. It came through Denver. It was, Oh, the musical. The musical. Based yeah. on sliding doors. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Anthony Rapp, more Star Trek discovery. <laughs> yes. Anthony Rapp and Adina Menzel. And it's like, there are two lines of her life. Mm-hmm. Like if she made one choice versus another. And I often, like I, moving to LA, I often think like, well, what if I, I've had this thought recently and like in the last few years, like, what if I moved here right after college? Like, what if I right. moved here and did comedy right away? What yeah. if I did all these things? Like, would I be in a writer's room and I'd be all doing all these things that who knows, maybe I want to, maybe I don't. I mean, right now, but then I realized like, then I wouldn't be who I am. Exactly. I made some like amazing, amazing, amazing friends in Colorado Springs. Do I love Colorado Springs? No. Mm -hmm. Did I love teaching? No. I mean, there were aspects of teaching I loved, but I'm so glad I did it because I have kids who I feel like I made a difference in their lives. And I'm so glad I did that. And then sometimes I'm like, well, why am I not still teaching? And so there's like all this, but I have all this spiral again, ADHD. Um, (laughs) But I um, have gotten to this point recently where I've just like, I, you know, I had, I went on a date a few weeks ago where this guy was like, well, so what are your goals? Like, what do you want to do? And I was like, dude, did you not just live through the same pandemic I did? Because like I have made five-year plans and they never happen. Right. Because that's not how life works works right. anymore at least it, it maybe it used to maybe it used to where like i mean people were in the same job for decades but that's not how things go right. anymore and so like i like i don't know if i want kids like i don't you know i don't know what's gonna happen you don't have and to know. so you're right exactly and so i'm like i want to what i told him was like i want to find joy every day i want to um learn something like uh-huh. feel like i'm I'm progressing as a human every day. Um, and I want to um, make an impact on the people around me. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I would like to write a book. I would like to like do some of these things. But like, honestly, who knows? Because, so I'm going to try to like live in the present as much as possible because like that, that's all I can count on. Right. None, none of the rest of it I can count on. And so like this whole movie with the like, broken dreams and the and the the goals and the other things that you don't do and like there at one point wayman says like i've seen thousands of evelyn i love this never an evelyn like you you have so many goals never finished dreams you never followed you're living your worst you and like oh what a gut (laughs) punch it's it's, what a gut punch it's awful i die laughing every time he says it to her i crack up just the way he like so earnestly is like you are terrible you have not fulfilled any potential but also like okay that just means from here 
She can only fulfill some sort of potential, right? <laughs> right. And who knows what that, who knows what that is? Because I think like, right. I would never have, if you asked me five years ago, would I be living in Los Angeles doing anything that I'm doing now? Uh-huh. No, I'd be on my way to get a PhD in music education. I, I yeah. never would have, but I love my life right now. Yeah. And like, that's all I can ask for, you know? And I, I think that's where we get to at the end of this movie. Yeah. I definitely have like recently, and I, I think it was when I was, you know, when I was pregnant with our third, which again, like if anybody had said anything about that 10 years ago, I wouldn't have even been planning on a second, let alone a third. So like, those are things that come up and you decide on them, whether they were part of your original view of your life or not. Right. I just was sitting there thinking about, yeah, like I'm a, I've not been diagnosed with ADHD because I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it would change <laughs> for me. Right, I mean, like I've just kind of operated under the uh, assumption that I'm really good at multitasking for years and that that's what it is. But like I, um, or that's how it manifests in me is, is that's what I do. It's the lit, the constant, like the constant brain lists, the constant projects, the starting, starting, starting. And I, and, but I've been like, mildly successful in multiple things. So like, didn't just start them, like started them and saw them through for, for good chunks in terms of a job, you know, good chunks of time. But like, in terms of a career, no, I didn't build that career out. And, and I just thought, you know, of some of the things that I really, really pursued in terms of like, certain careers certain career paths and, and what would have happened or, or other decisions outside of career. And I just thought, you know, there were times in my life where I thought those things, you know, you really can get into some dark places in life. And one thing that we like to cling to Mm -hmm. is this idea of what would have been better. Right. And, and yeah, I've had times like that, you know, if I had done this, it would be better. If I did that, it would be better. I can't, you know, it would just be so much better if that's how, if that's what I had stuck to, or if that's what I had done. And thank God I didn't. Thank God none of it worked out. Like, I don't just, I have to be where I am because Uh those, and, and because here's what it is. If you're ever feeling that way, you're already outside. You're already outside of yourself, right? If you're having those thoughts, you're already completely disconnected from what's going on. And and so I really took the time to like sit down and think about like what was the motive behind each of those things. And they were all they all ended up being like very superficial, very very self-driven. And that none of them aligned with really any of the priorities that I had for my life now. Yeah. And what I feel like are the priorities that ground me and make me feel happy and content. And that's where I see the the good side of the everything bagel, of the good side of nothing matters, is what Evelyn sees is there is all this shit. There's all this shit on this bagel. And 99% of it doesn't matter. 
the laundromat doesn't matter. This lady's clothes don't matter. What breed of dog I have or she has or anybody has doesn't matter. What my father thinks of me ultimately doesn't matter. If my daughter is in love with a woman, doesn't matter. She's in love. It doesn't matter who she's in love with. Mm -hmm. She's in love. Like all these little details. If someone puts the shoes in the dryer, doesn't matter. The IRS agent, you know, is she an asshole? Doesn't matter. She's not an asshole. She ends up being cool. You know, like all these things, she just comes just to realize. Just trying to do her job. Just trying right. to live her life. We see that she's taking every single thing so seriously in the beginning that every minute detail of her life, her family life, her home life, her business, all of this matters so much to her because it has to, because look at what she gave up to, mm -hmm. to do this. So she has to at least like be phenomenal at this. And when she feels like she's not, then it, it just drags her even further down yes. into this self pity and this feeling of, of resentment. Mm -hmm. And, and when she realizes that like all of these details mean absolutely nothing when it comes to like her love for joy and waymond it's so you can see it's just like completely freeing for her just totally releases her of yes this this just like sort of mind-numbing obligation that she feels to all these other little things in her life yes absolutely I think that's what made this movie so beautiful is that when you strip all of the extra away, every demon she's fighting, every like every other version of the alpha verse that's coming to like stop mm -hmm. her, it becomes just what matters, what matters to her. And it is those people sitting that IRS cubicle with her, her father, her husband who like, again, Wayman, I think oh, Wayman's such a great character and he really he's played is. so he plays it so beautifully too because it's just like oh so so wonderful i mean he has some beautifully profound oh, oh lines. my gosh says, like a quote machine i mean like these are these are like philosophical quotes and he's well, literally describing like one of the more the more like intricate plot points of this movie but it comes across as like philosophy you know like right and i just couldn't choose between any of them like honestly i just took them all down and i was like i guess i'll right. figure this out <laughs> so this is not my favorite line but this or this is this might be my favorite line it's not my best line it's at the end it's it's regular waymond and she's she you know derides him the whole movie of being too naive too too silly all of those things and you know at the end he talks to the irs agent and like explains that he's filing for a divorce and like she's not herself because of all these things. And I mean, she's also has all this going on in her mind with the multiverses, mm -hmm. with, with which can either be allegorical or not. Um, but he says, when I choose to see the good side of things, I'm not being ah, naive. It's strategic that's and necessary. That's not regular Waymond. It's how... Oh, it's not? It's, it's, it's... businessman Waymond from oh, when she you're right. stayed it's in Waymond. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Goodness. But it is but going she, like it's cut with it's with it's regular, cut with Wayman regular Wayman saying when he is talking to the he's IRS saying agent. be kind. Let's we don't none of us know what's going on. Let's just be kind. Yeah. But yeah. but I like it's, this part better. I think right. Yeah. Well, and that's and that and so I wrote both of those down, mm -hmm. and that's why I 
I got it confused because I wrote both of them down next to each other. So CEO Wayman says, I'm not being naive. It's strategic and necessary. Mm -hmm. It's how I've learned to survive through everything. And again, I mean, we touched on the grounding of this movie as Mm -hmm. they're a family of Chinese immigrants and they're Chinese immigrants. And I'm sure like there is so much, there are so many layers to that, that again, I don't think I can comment on, but I, there's definitely a, I think that there's definitely a comment on how, you need to try to operate in a white supremacist society right. to get by. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, as a woman, I do that. As a Jewish woman, I do that. And there are so many other, like, so many people who do that just day to day in society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's how I've learned to survive through through everything. Um, and then is this regular Waymond then? The only thing I know... I do know is we have to be kind, yes. be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. And, and that then it goes is back to yes. CEO Wayman. And he says, I know you see yourself as a fighter. Well, I see myself as one too. This is how I fight. Yeah. It is just such a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful sentiment. And God, if we could, if we could all live like that, imagine if like, instead of money on war and things like that, if that's how people fought by just being kind like, oh, what a world mm-hmm. we would live in. What a world we would live in to show up every day and the way you fight to survive is to be kind. And that's how she ultimately went. She spends all of this time in this movie just sort of hectically using these launching pads to acquire all these skills to fight, to physically fight. But yeah, there, when I mean, it comes some to it, there are some incredible martial arts sequences. Oh, fantastic! And when, but when she finally has to has to end things, she doesn't have time for that. She what she has to do is her best to work with people, to get them on her side, to be kind to them, to help yes. them get what they need so they can be happy. You know, it's. I'm not going to be able to be eloquent on the larger psychology of that or what that means. But um, I think that without going way too deep into the current implications, one thing that I would feel the lack of in modern times is that does weigh on me is like not enough community. Yes. You know, I think that's something that when we were younger was much easier to find. And when our parents were younger, of course, like that was everything. And, and I think that is likely some of the issue, like with when, when you do immigrate here from places where community is much more of a cornerstone of your life experience to the United States, where you can end up in places where it's really isolated. There might not be many people of your ethnicity around for you to get that same feeling of community from. But even like, even I live in a place where I feel like there, there is a strong sense of community, but I feel like it, it, it's hard to access. It's not equitable. And that's what's hard, you know, it's, it's, it's something that should be easy for everyone. And I feel like that's something that like the United States (laughs) has struggled with. It's done really well for certain groups of people 
and it hasn't done very well. And, and I and I think like you know I really again don't like bringing this up. I'm sure no one wants to hear about it anymore. But like seeing how we've handled a public tragedy, for lack of a better term, and a public I think that's a quite quite yeah, the apt term <laughs> public something where we really did in the beginning say, hey, we all have to do this together. Um, and that fell apart just so quickly, so you know? Quickly. And there's really like this, this apathy, this antagonism towards forced community where people feel yes. like it's forced. But like, what bothers me is that people don't see the value in it. And so well, I guess I that's what too, I really like hmm. about about that sort of more symbolic portion of the end is like she has sort of been ignoring what she can do for other people. It feels like an obligation to her. It feels like her job. But like she realizes, oh, my God, making other people happy and getting them what they need and providing this service to my community also makes me yeah. feel fantastic and makes me feel like I'm part of this big picture. And, and I just don't see that there's as much of that going on as like I pictured the world to be when I was growing up. I think you're right. I think there's so much about community and belonging yeah. and there's so much about being seen. I mean, I think that is such a thing in this movie too, is like, Joy wants to be seen by her mother yeah. for who she is, not for whom her mom wants her to be. Right. Evelyn wants to be seen by her father. Her father wants to be seen. Her... Wayman wants to be seen by his wife right. for for the nice man that he is. And, like, and for, and for everything the, for, that not he even does. The nice, for everything that he does and who right. he is and, and how much he loves her. And it's like, uh, Deirdre wants to be seen. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all, everybody just wants to be seen. And that is such a driving thing for me. And I feel like one of my like big purposes in life is I'm, I know I'm good at helping people feel seen mm -hmm. or making people feel seen. And I want to feel seen. And I think that's so much of this movie as well. Um, there's just so much depth to this. I think we could clearly, we could just talk about so many things and we've not even scratched the surface of like oh, no. all of the surrealism of rac raccoon. Um, <laughs> I love raccoon. Ratatouille? No, That's Rakakuni. like one of my favorite That's scenes so in the funny. movie. I was, I just die laughing. Rakakuni. What? Huh? Rakakuni. You know the one with the chef? And he makes bad food. Pui. And then this raccoon sit on his head. Ooh, control him. And then he cooks good food. Do you mean Ratatouille? Oh when my she God. sits on his shoulders and like pulls his, pulls hair, his hair, it's so great. It's fantastic. Um, did you see her dance that man to death? Dance or when she's like, I need to do something weird. And he's like, Evelyn, do jumping jacks. That's not weird That's at not all. Weird like there are so <laughs> many like laugh out loud, laugh out loud, funny moments. The, I when love she when, he, when the, he realizes what's going on and he's like, I, I think when she does something weird, it helps her fight. It gives her power. Yes. And like, like the, uh, or like the William Tell overture over the flashes of the different universes. Yeah. I'm like, that's so good. It's like the music major in me freaked out at that. It's so, so, so good. Um, it's just, it's so wonderful. 
Um, I think we did, we've touched on so many things we love about this movie. We have not touched on our best lines yet and we've danced around, oh God, we've danced so around our best lines a lot. And yeah. I, for me, because my best line is about the, like how you live your life and what you live your life. And I think my best line again, of course, comes from Waymond. This one comes from Alpha, Alpha Waymond. I wonder if we chose the same one because we often do. I haven't do. picked one. I'll see what you have to say. It's probably <laughs> my front runner. So then if it is that one, then I'll pick a different one. But I think I okay, know so, what you're going to say. And it has to do directly with something that we spent a large portion of the conversation about. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he goes, my dear Evelyn, I know you. Mm-hmm. With every passing moment, you fear you might have missed your chance to make something of your life. Well, I'm here to tell you that every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. And I, that, and and we we talked about the other line later of like, you're the worst version of you and like what the gut punch that that does. But that line that don't let anything distract you, every disappointment, every rejection has Mm -hmm. led you here. And that A encapsulates so many of the things in this movie of the multiverse and the how she ended up where she is, but B just, it has more like deeper philosophical line as somebody who, I mean, the last few years I've been like, well, what am I doing? What, like I, what, like I am not grounded in a job that I'm like, Oh, I get my purpose from my job. And I used to, I don't want to get my purpose from my job. That's not what life's about for me. I don't have a partner. I don't have anything that like that yet, but I love my life. And like, ev- but every no and every disappointment has led me to this point. And I wouldn't be me without it. And I think that line of him saying that encapsulates so much of just existence on this planet of it. It all leads you every choice you make, every turn, it leads you where you're, where you are. And now you have a chance to do something with that. You always have, you always are getting a new chance to do something with what came before. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that line was brilliant because of that. Yes, that was definitely my. Is that front your front runner? runner? Absolutely, yes. Because it, um, it's such a good line, right? And it and it is really like what we've spent a majority of this conversation talking about has been that mm-hmm. that idea yes. and what Evelyn was dealing with, and it really is the core yes. of this movie. And you really have to come to terms with that. Like, I'm not, I'm not Truly. saying I have my shit figured out. I do think oh, I I'm probably don't. older than most of the people listening to this podcast. Not that age has anything to do with learned experience, but that it does provide a little bit more opportunity for learned experience. But like, I will just say from my own personal experience that like coming to terms with this thing is, is, is tantamount to beginning like a journey of self-awareness and clarity in your life. It will, Mm -hmm. it will help you in your decision-making. It will help you in your priorities. It will help you feel good and content on a regular basis. And I think that I'm really happy that this movie tackles that because we see so many movies that are just like life. And I mean, yes, we bring in life and death stakes, possibly allegorically into this movie. And we see these movies really where our characters are the the focus of the movie, the focus of the plot, the focus of these characters is just massively ambitious. And it's very yes. like just hyper focus on on ambition. And generally we see them succeed. And that's great. 
but that's really escapism, honestly. True. And, and, and I think that we've intertwined our, our ideas of, of entertaining fiction with like some, some realism in, in a, a lot of our lives, I think, especially growing up since we have fiction just fed to us and fed to us and fed to us all the time that our imaginations become very, very intertwined with our expectations. And so this is just the easiest thing in the world to, to experience. Like mm -hmm. it, it's not easy to go through the experience, but it is, it's an easy hole to fall into, I will say, <laughs> you know, and, and you just really have to like he says, don't let anything distract you from the moment. You have to be in the present. You have to do the work to prioritize the present, be in the moment, yes. and realize that that moment where you are, no matter what led to it, that's where you're supposed to be. Because that's where you are. We don't have multiverses. We don't have, you know, that we know of yet. <laughs> We don't have these magical ways to instantly launch pad and change who we are and change our lives. Like you can change your life. Yeah. In but you have to decide it in that moment. Like that's all you have, you know. That that is I mean, I think I think that's so I think it's so apt that we're going on so many tangents for yeah. this movie because there isn't like really a through line. I mean there but, is right. a through line of this movie, yeah. but it also goes but no, I do like that we have a movie that like touch it, that like that teaches that lesson because yeah, I don't sure. think we see this dealt with that often without it without it being like some some like serious like relationship drama that's all like you know yeah cinematography like dark cinematography and you know I feel like. This is an action movie and it's a comedy. Yes. And, and to have something that presents that way, but then like deals, you know, it's like what we were talking about with Roger Rabbit very much. Like, like he said, like when he's telling her, this is the worst you, I've never seen one of you that's been so like, who's been so disappointing. It's yes. It's funny when he says it, but we have to like use this humor and use this fantasy, use this outlandish multiverse concept and these really just slapstick hysterical launching pads to get to this extremely these these core truths that are really really moving and important. And I, I think you put this like you were saying, you take those things out and you put this into something that's a little bit more of like a family drama, then yeah. I think people probably feel like, oh God, I know, like, I already know this. This is depressing. I don't want to think about it. That, you know, you watch it and you think, yeah. oh, those performances are great. But like these, these life lessons sometimes when they're, when like when we sit here and we just say it like this, like it's not right. as impactful and it doesn't seem as, you know, it seems like, oh, that's obvious. That's how I feel all the time. But like, 
we don't get a lot right. of movies that present it in this way and then resolve it. We in get a way. no movies that right. present it in this way. Absolutely. What movie? What other movie have you seen presented in this way? None. Like it is like I mean, and, I guess we, we don't we, get a we lot have of the, I mean, I guess when we're talking about multi, the multiverse is a thing right now with right, all right, the right, MCU. Right. I mean, but I'm not like I. I'm not a Marvel person as much. So like to me, this speaks way more to me than the Marvel multiverses mm-hmm. do. It's also shorter. So <laughs> as we've, as we've discussed my attention span for yes. movies, although I will have to say that every time I watch, not every time I watch a movie, you make me watch. I'm going to like, I mean, lest we go back to a year ago in house of Gucci. <laughs> um, but most of the time I watch a movie, you make me watch. I'm glad I watched the movie. Yeah. So, okay. So what's your best line then? If that was your like, front runner are you still going to choose that as your best line no and and so i will just i i wasn't quite sure how to like justify choosing this line because i just love it and it's actually two lines it's the okay it's the line and that kind of touches on what he just said because this is like so he says this to her that your line your best line and then we have like one of our first big this is the first time that Alpha Waymond fights. So that this uh-huh. is my one of my favorite visual gags I think I've ever seen in a movie. Ever. It might be like the funniest physical thing I've ever seen in a movie where he unzips the pouch, takes out the chapstick, <sighs> and eats eats it. The whole tube. I like when I watched this movie the first time, I like could not breathe. <laughs> Just the idea of someone eating chapstick. And we have it, and we don't really know the launch pad thing yet. It hasn't been like verbatim explained to us. So you're just like, what right. the hell is he doing? And then he fights right. like crazy. Oh my gosh, like the fight choreography in this movie. And he it's is so, so good. Like, we all knew Michelle was good, but like he's really good. Yes. And. And so she's freaking out. She's just like crouching behind a cubicle and he, and she, he comes to talk to her and she's slapping him away because she just watched him eat the chapstick and, and kick everyone across the room. And she's like, leave me alone, Wayman. And he says, I'm not the Wayman who wants to divorce you. I'm the Wayman who is saving your life. Now you can either come with me and live up to your ultimate potential or lie here and live with the consequences. And she goes, I want to lie here. <laughs> I know. I love that. that I wrote so that down good. too. That line read is so good. It's so perfect. I want to lie She's here. So, it's so I mean, great. all of her, all of her line reads are so, I so never, good. I mean, oh, I knew she could be funny because she does have some really like, really like dark, quick wit humor stuff in um, Star Trek Discovery. But like, I did not yes. know she could be hilarious absolutely hilarious that's the thing too like like, you can come with me and live up to your ultimate potential potential or lie here and live with the consequences (laughs) i want to lie here and i and i think that's like and i think that that's you know he's saying i'm not the waymond who wants to divorce you but that's what that's why real waymond wants to divorce her because he feels like He's, he's like, come with me. Our ultimate potential is together. Our ultimate potential, right. you have to be on this journey with me. And she's, like, pushing him away nope. instead of realizing that their ultimate potential is together. So it's, you know, yes. it is, it, to me, it does sort of support this idea of, like, 
that that she this is how she's wrapping her head around everything and how Absolutely. she's how she's experiencing like what's being said to her yes because you can very much see that being something that like he would say about their lives in the real or the normal verse i don't know what they call the i think it's they they don't call it anything they don't call the the irs verse there we go the irs verse (laughs) um Uh, yeah i think it yeah i think it is i think it is the irs like when they cut to it, I think the mm-hmm. I was looking at the script. I think they call it the IRS verse or taxes universe. Yeah. I think maybe, um, but I there. I mean, there's so much. There's so much that's funny in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like oh, every, and I didn't every... write. A, I didn't write a lot of the funny down. Oh, I wrote was, all the funny like, down. <laughs> Not because all it was of it, like I was like focused on like the the profound was like what. But there's so much funny. The in this movie. every single time she tries to say Jobu Tupaki. Oh, so funny. When, and the first time he says it, she goes, now you're just making up sounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jobu Tupaki, you're just making up sounds. And then um, Juju Tubuti. Uh-huh. Juju Chewbacca. And then, <laughs> and then in the Kung Fu universe, the Kung Fu teacher, who is like this mystically young woman... And yes. it's like, everything can be Kung Fu. This cookie can be Kung Fu. And then I know. later or she like comes the back and the pinky can be Kung Fu. <laughs> well, and then her pinky like expands. And her pinky has a muscle. Oh my gosh. And, and then, oh gosh, there was one. Oh, the pinata universe. The pinata, the pinata universe. universe is so. Or we just hang around. The pinata universe is so funny and unexpected. And I mean, the the scratch drawing universe into the mm-hmm. pinata universe it's so like when joe joe mutapaki is explaining like how everything matters and nothing matters like that quick cuts to all of the different universes are so good and, and then it's like to your point like very early on jessica you said like is this all just happening in her head because like there is like she gets punched or something in one universe and it affect you see it affect all of them right like the opera universe she like loses her breath or something mm-hmm um, I will say that um, my my worst line. I don't. I don't. Worst line is so hard in this movie because it's so well constructed. I don't uh, really have a worst line. Yeah. There were two things that I can't even say that I like. I get the surrealism of it. I get why we're like. I get that it's like anything is possible. I can never unsee hot dog fingers. I did not need that. I did not need that image in my oh, brain at all. So I, it's, 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 it's them, them stuffing each other's mouths oh, with their fingers is an image or, I never, ever, ever needed to see. Like, and it's for some reason, it's not as bad to me when Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yao do it. But when in the Bollywood movie in the background, when they're like, oh, and there's like one of them has cheese in their mouth. Yes, with the hot I, dog, that is too much for me. I can't. And like, <laughs> like I can't, I can't. Like, it's not my normal. Like, I can't say that it doesn't fit in the movie. I can't like give it a worse line stamp because of that. Because it was just like this. Like, I get it. I get why they're doing this, and it's that step that's very far, and it made my whole body recoil in a way that I'm like, ah, something I never needed to see. And then upon second watch, again, I'm like, I again did not need to see that. Um, so I would say like that probably is like I was like, I did not need, I did not need that. The other thing I don't think I needed, and like again, I get, I get I, when she's fighting with the dildos, 
I know. Freaking hysterical. Like, it's so funny. I think that was brilliant. And then, like, earlier in the movie, Jamie Lee Curtis has the, like, awards for... Yes. um, ...being for the, for, like, IRS audits. And, like, I clocked it because I have a very dirty mind. Like, initially, I'm like, that looks like a butt plug. Yeah. Like, so immediately, that was my thought. I was like, that's... When 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 he jumps... When when he jumps, takes his pants off. No, the guy who like flies in takes his pants off and jumps. My body physically clenched, and I and then you just see it like like it's like blurred out, sticking out of his butt. And again, that was something like I get it, I get, I get it, I get it in the movie. I get like I think like the callback of the butt plug joke is funny. Like they're so I did not need that many. Like and then it getting bigger. I did not. Well, she like that. And, she, and they do like kind of the matrix like backbend and yes. she takes both of them out as they're both diving at Ugh. her and I just Ugh. love that they like go to Joy and Waymond watching as she takes them both out and Joy is like ugh <laughs> like, Joy yeah. has this physical I mean, that, like revulsion Joy is me I am Joy <laughs> Joy is me and so like again I can't give it the worst line stamp if I I am I because it it makes sense for the movie I get it and zero percent of me, that image of the man jumping onto the butt club know, is seared into is. my brain. And I did not ask for that to live there rent free. So that I'm going to say is my, like, again, so many funny moments, so many surreal things. And like, that is very funny and very surreal. And I, both of those things, I'm like, I could have done without ever seeing that. I don't think we need to like get into we this comes up like probably every other episode at this point sometimes every episode really the only thing like I I had to nitpick down and it fits it fits it fits fine we like we don't have to have the full discussion but like the uh you have to try to eat healthier you're getting fat Yes, that was it. I was like, well, if it's, I know, I, I wrote that down we too, and I was just like, it works. We it. know like, it. We just talked about why she's saying it. I guess, I guess that it wasn't the like you are getting fat that I had a problem with. It was the you have to try to eat healthier. You're getting fat. Like, I sure fine. I will like suspend my disbelief and say that Evelyn probably doesn't know. That it doesn't matter, like, that eating healthy doesn't necessarily mean anything to your shape. No. Um, so I'll just... As I... But, but me, as a person, like, we need to do whatever we can to, like, not keep pushing the stereotype that how you eat has anything to do with your shape. Right. So there's my worst line. I get that it's, it fits. I get that yep. it works but i don't want to see those things correlated anymore yeah i agree with eat you I, healthy, I mean eat healthy to be healthy don't eat healthy to make a certain shape of your body there no, you go there's so much genetics Fit, fitness or, industry or to hit, fitness industry jessica or to hit says. a number or <laughs> exactly. to hit a number so uh, that was mine you know nitpicky not really saying anything yes. about the script there we go i do have to say honorable mention for just a scene and how I love how this movie goes from like we we say this a lot about a lot of the the like funny movies that we like funny Mm -hmm. but impactful movies that we've done but how this movie can go from like being really really profound and then just immediately like 180 
back to hysterical comedy, but this scene, and this one just like flips back and forth a couple times because they fu- they've mm-hmm. had this big fight and they're hiding in this in like the IRS or this federal building break room and there's like a breakfast layout on the table and yeah. Alpha Waymond is going crazy on the dairy because in yeah. Alpha verse uh, jo- Jobu Tabaki has killed off all the cattle so he hasn't he's he's drinking half and half straight drinking half and half straight from the carton and he's like devouring this everything bagel with cream cheese and she's she's saying like I wish you could have seen bring bring back my husband I need to tell him about how beautiful my life was without him which is just like gut wrenching absolutely terrible you're like Evelyn don't right. you dare don't don't ever like she, well she does tell him she starts to tell him I saw my life without you it was wonderful but then Alpha Waymond jumps in and she's like, no, no, I need to talk to my real husband because I wasn't done telling him how how awful it is to be with him, basically. <laughs> but like how great it was. And, and she basically and she's like drifting back to this. And this is the uh, the, uni- the universe where she's a martial arts superstar in China. She mm-hmm. is an actress. She's like the biggest actress. Um, she's wearing this gorgeous, glamorous dress. Um, she is like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen on screen. And she keeps kind of drifting back there. She's at a movie premiere and she is not Mm -hmm. supposed to be doing this. Like once she gets what she needs from that universe, she's supposed to shut it down. And so she's like, why can't I just go be there? And he like lunges on her and grabs her and is like, shut it down, shut it down. (laughs) I, I like cannot control myself like how hysterical that is to me i laugh so hard every time his his whole delivery is so good oh my god she's like fine fine okay i mean i i thoroughly love this movie i will watch it again and again and again and again and take so much more out of it um i am excited for the oscars because i think i mean i michelle yo should win the academy award absolutely is the front runner. She's brilliant. Uh, Kei Hui Kwan should, I think, Absolutely. is also a front mm-hmm. runner to win. Both very, very deservedly. Deservedly. So that would be a. Um, I I really hope they win. I hope this movie wins. I hope it wins for so many, so many things Absolutely. because it is excellent. It is such a such an excellent, excellent, excellent film, and like. I don't know if I felt this passionately about a film winning an Oscar in a long time. Maybe Same. Since, maybe since Chicago. Maybe. Um, <laughs> any Anything to plug, Jess? No, not really. Same old, same old. Same old, same old. Um, you can follow us at Best Line Worst Line on Instagram, uh, bestlineworstline.com. You can uh, subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google. Got it. Um, and <laughs> I'm learning. And Yay. anywhere else you might get your podcasts. Um, with that, we will be back for our next movie. Stay tuned to Instagram because I don't know that we know what that is. Yeah, no, we don't. And we have, we have um, recorded a lot don't know which ones we're putting out next. So. 
to you later. 